0: You love film, but imagine you'd never seen the all-time classics like Blade Runner or Apocalypse Now. What would your reaction be if you watched these movies now for the first time? The best films, shared, viewed for the first time and discussed. Hi and welcome to You Talking To Me. For each episode we take a classic movie for James to view for the first time and we watch it together. From this shared experience, we discuss what we both thought of it, and see if it still deserves its classic status. In this episode, we'll be talking about psychological horror classic, The Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) Hey James. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, thank you. How are you? I'm alright. In our episode about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, we mentioned Silence of the Lambs. As both films have won the big five Oscars Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Actress, and Adapted Screenplay. Mm. James, did you think that Silence of the Lambs was a good choice?
1: Yes, I really think it was. And I think it deserved all of the Oscars that it got. It excels in every area that it is in.
0: No film since Silence of the Lambs has won those five Academy Awards. Oh, really? And the film was made 30 years ago, so that record stays the same. Mm -hmm. Also, both films feature main characters considered as, like, the best villains of all time. Mm. So, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Nurse Ratched. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter.
1: Interesting, because one of them is a patient, and the other is the person that looks after the patients.
0: Released in 1991, and based on Thomas Harris's popular book of the same name, The film stars Jodie Foster as Clarice Starling and Anthony Hopkins as Dr. Hannibal Lecter. And directed by Jonathan Demme, the movie is considered a masterclass in suspense filmmaking. The plot sees young FBI trainee Clarice assigned to hunt down an active serial killer known in the papers as Buffalo Bill due to the fact that he skins his victims. Starling is encouraged by her boss, Jack Crawford, to seek the help of brilliant psychiatrist Dr. Hannibal Lecter, himself incarcerated for being a notorious cannibalistic killer. James, what were the reviews like and how is the film rated?
1: So, IMDb gives it 8.6 out of 10. Metacritic gives it 85 out of 100. Rotten Tomato gives it 95%. Empire gives it 5 stars. Letterboxd gives it 4.3 stars, and Roger Ebert gives it 4 stars.
0: The film doesn't make the BFI Top 100 list, and is low on the AFI list, so it's 74, which is behind Shawshank, behind Butch Cassidy, those sorts of films. Really? Yeah, but it is 22 on the IMDb Top 250 movies, Yeah, which is lower than Cuckoo's Nest, but higher than Psycho. Hmm, Interesting. I think it's probably placed low or omitted from certain lists because it's not easily pigeonholed. It's not straight up horror, Mm -hmm. so it may not feature on best of horror lists, and it's not kind of like a straightforward crime movie either. So, you know, we're kind of into psychological horror. After watching it again, I kind of thought it was like some sort of schlocky B movie, but made as if it was like high art you know mm-hmm. it's, it's like an a list b movie yeah and it's a serial killer movie so is it like the best serial killer movie is it better than seven you know is yeah, it yeah i was going to mention it, that a second
1: it, ago because um you said that it doesn't really specifically fit into any genres like horror or crime and i i was going to say that seven's a lot like that yeah because it it's kind of more flowy when it comes to the genre
0: what about something more like a, a bit more procedural, like Zodiac? That's a serial killer movie, but seen from the perspective of those investigating. Where mm-hmm. this is, this includes the the serial killer within the story. It's interesting that. The film shows you the killer. Yeah, you know, it introduces you to the baddie. Mm-hmm. I don't mean Lecter; I mean um, Buffalo Bill. Sort of mid midway through, or probably before midway through. So it's not like a who done it, like mm-hmm. some serial killer movies are. What it does contain is probably the greatest baddie or the greatest villain in in cinema history. If you look at those sorts of lists, greatest villain, it's probably Hannibal Lecter.
1: Would he be considered as that role, like as the uh, the greatest villain of all time, if it wasn't for the performance?
0: Well, it's entirely down to the performance. Yeah, We'll get onto that later. Mm -hmm. But I think in the books he's written... Similarly, but yeah. yeah, Anthony Hopkins' performance is what levitates this above 100%. Uh, other, other serial killer films. What did you know about the film before we watched it, James?
1: So, I kind of knew the rough plot. I knew that Hannibal was, he's in prison and he's uh, helping Jodie Foster's character to find Buffalo Bill. But I didn't know about all these twists and turns that were to follow.
0: So, after the shortest of introductions to Starling and Jack Crawford, and with a bit of background information about the Buffalo Bill case, Starling is off to meet Lecter. There's kind of no time wasted. Yeah. We're off following the story. We do learn a fair bit in those first few minutes. We know Clarice is uh, career-minded and looking to progress, we're also shown that she is working in a kind of male-dominated world. Mm -hmm. I found in those first sort of 10, 15 minutes or so, it's almost like she's sort of bundled off to see this monstrous psychopath, you know, Mm -hmm. with kind of no prep whatsoever. And before she actually meets him, our expectations are kind of ramped up. So you know, when she goes to the asylum, she meets Dr. Chilton on her way to see Lecter. Um, He suggests that Crawford is using Clarice to to turn Lecter on Mm. and confirms that Lecter hasn't seen a woman for eight years. You know, we're told all of this moments before she's about to meet him. We go down this sort of heavily fortified area, this sort of guarded dungeon. The other prisoners are kind of rowdy. And then Clarice on her own has to walk down this dark corridor to get to Lecter past the other prisoner, Miggs, uh, who says something to her. Mm-hmm. All of this kind of setup that comes before leads us fairly early on in the film to what is a classic scene, um, the first meeting between Lecter and yeah. Clarice Starling.
1: The, um, the thing I love so much about that build-up is because as she's walking down the the hallway... The the prisoners, they're in horrible states, their rooms all like pigsties and they're like all curled in the corner screaming and then you get to the end and it's just this man standing in the middle, drawings on the wall, just like kind of like a normal bedroom that you would expect to see for someone like his house. And it's it's just like he's at the end, you expect him to be the, the worst of them all yes Yes. he's got the nicest room
0: so it goes against your expectations yeah serial killers in movies up to this point have been kind of like you know kind of raving kind Mm -hmm. of madmen and what we get here is something completely different but actually because of that more unsettling
1: yeah it seems more dangerous because he's he seems more clever
0: what's scarier than you know A man standing completely still in a very tight-fitting prison uniform Mm -hmm. looking at you as you walk into his vision. It's scary. Did you kind of get an appreciation that that what you're watching here, that's an iconic scene?
1: Oh, yeah. You can tell the moment it starts that this is going to be, like, a very famous scene.
0: Once Clarice is there standing in front of Lecter, He immediately starts analysing her and kind of toying with her. There's that whole bit where he asks her for her identification and she shows it and he's like, closer? Yeah. Just putting her on edge. Mm -hmm. What we see is what Clarice sees and Lecter's face fills the screen and he's looking right at her, so he's looking right at us. Also, I found that he... He's kind of like immediately takes charge. Mm -hmm. He immediately works out that she's a trainee. He immediately works out that kind of he's got the upper hand. He's going to be dictating how this conversation goes. But in terms of the performance, it's instantly mesmerizing.
1: Yeah, 100%. I was
0: watching it again. I've not seen it for a while, but it is one of my favorite films. And it's like you're smiling watching this amazing performance. And I was sort of thinking, how is he doing this? How is he able to How is a, a person able yeah. to make you? You can't look away from him. Mm-hmm. You're hanging on every single word that he's saying. Yeah. Know, and Jody Foster is brilliant in this, but you're drawn to Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And he's 100%. not doing very much. He's just talking in that yeah. way. Is it the way he's talking? Is it his stillness? Do you notice that he doesn't
1: blink? Yeah. I was. um. So you're, you're staring at his face and you notice something's not right here. And then I started counting how many times he blinked and I realised that I hadn't counted any.
0: Yeah, absolutely deliberate choice by Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. to just do this thing where he just wouldn't blink. Yeah. Pretty much the whole time. He, though That camera is trained directly yeah. onto his face. Lecter's commanding and Starling is out of her depth. They discuss Buffalo Bill, then Lecter... Starts kind of psychoanalyzing her. He kind of mocks her accent. You know, it's it's the scene already that has like the most famous line in the film. So, mm. And then we get one of the most famous lines in the film about Father Beans and Chianti. And then as she leaves, fellow prisoner Migs kind of throws something. <laughs> yeah. Something that he's made for her at mm-hmm. her. And then she runs back. And this is kind of where they're relationship becomes a little bit, uh, sort of cements their relationship. So yeah. Lecter calls Clarice back and then he gives her a her, her clue, you know, just as she's trying to leave and he gives her a clue, he helps her out mm-hmm. and then kind of off she goes. She unravels that cryptic clue that he's given her and that's what starts her investigation into, into Buffalo Bill. So it's a colossal scene. Mm-hmm. It comes very, very early in the movie. You've got just two people. The acting is off the charts the mm-hmm. writing's great Yeah, you know, it's a great script and the directing is done in such a way that you're just seeing both of them deliver their lines to each other yeah. it's almost it's really intimate you know have you ever seen anything like that before
1: i really can't say i have it was so amazing
0: it's a good introduction to both of them you know yeah before this, Clarice is just kind of being told what to do. This is the first time we see her on her own, trying yeah. to work on her own. So, it's a great introduction to both characters. Going into this, did you know the performances were going to be like this? I mean, every everybody in this film is great. Yeah. However, Jodie Foster is perfect and Anthony Hopkins is kind of riveting. Mm-hmm. Did you know it was that sort of film? So...
1: I mean, I've I'd heard a lot about the performances. I knew they were supposed to be amazing. I knew that Am- Anthony Hopkins is an amazing actor. Have you seen
0: what have you seen? I've Anthony
1: um, Hopkins in? I generally think the only thing that the only thing that comes to mind is the father, and he was amazing in that. So I went okay. into this so knowing he was going to be good, and he kind of just took my expectation. And Times It By Ten.
0: So you've seen both of Anthony Hopkins' Oscar-winning performances. yeah? Because that's what they are.
1: He's Odin in Thor. He is. That is very true, actually. Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Playing Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs changed his career. Yeah. So you've got, before Silence of the Lambs, great actor, well-regarded actor, in lots and lots of good movies... After *Science of the Lambs*, leading man, yeah, you know, in tons and tons of movies for great directors, nominated time and time again. For things like *Nixon*, *Armistad*, *Remains of the Day*. That's a great film. You've got to mm-hmm. watch *Remains of the Day*. Yeah, I'd also recommend *Shadowlands*. If yeah. you can ever see that, it's heartbreaking. That's a brilliant movie. He's in *The Elephant Man*, actually. Oh, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I did know about that. He's yeah. really good in *The Elephant Man*. Jodie Foster, I think you've seen in Panic Room.
1: Oh, yeah. She's the mum in Panic Room, she's isn't she? She's the mum in Panic Room. Yeah.
0: Did you know that she is in Taxi Driver? I did not. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, Bugsy Malone, the film version of Bugsy Malone. Oh, She really? was in Going Into Silence of the Lambs. Jodie Foster has already won an Oscar by this point. An Oscar for the film The Accused. Mm. Contact is one you should, should Oh, I've watch. heard about that, yeah. We talked in a previous episode about how good Inside Man is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she's in that as well. So it's something that, I don't know if you know about Jodie Foster, but these days she does quite a lot of directing as well. Oh, really? And so she's directed a few movies. I know you're a big Black Mirror fan. Yeah. She has directed an episode of Black Mirror. Oh, really? Do you know, do you know what one? Um, Archangel. Really? Yeah. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I love that episode. Yes, Jodie Foster directed that.
1: I did not know that.
0: <laughs> Since The Silence of the Lambs, Anthony Hopkins has played Hannibal Lecter twice more. Yeah. In Hannibal for uh, Ridley Scott in 2001. Yeah. And in Red Dragon, which is with Edward Norton. Yeah. So you should probably watch both of those. Are they any good? They are i do think that they obviously they're not a patch on science of the lambs yeah i think that one of the special things about science of the lambs is that anthony hopkins performance whilst it's sort of sprinkled throughout the film it's not he's not the main character by the time you get to hannibal he kind of is the main character i mean his name's in the title yeah yeah absolutely and yeah, so I just think it's almost diluted a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's almost like too much Hannibal. It's yeah, it's better when there's not so much Hannibal. Too
1: much of a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But they're good. Yeah, they're both. They're both sort of solid films.
1: Have you watched any of the TV show?
0: No, it's supposed to be very good. I think I'm going to
1: start watching. This yeah, soon. definitely, definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. Famously, Hopkins isn't the first actor to have played Hannibal Lecter on screen. Oh, really? I don't know if you know this, in 1986. Michael Mann directed a film called Manhunter. Oh, yeah, I've so heard of that. Again, we've spoken about that. We spoke about that in the Heat episode. Yeah. Manhunter is based on Red Dragon, another Thomas Harris book. But they, the film is called Manhunter. And Brian Cox plays Lecter, is called upon to assist with an ongoing investigation into a serial killer. So yes, yeah. Similar plot. Brian Cox is great in that. But mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's forgotten that he, that he did it first. So, before Anthony Hopkins got the part, Mm. the usual kind of actors were were being chased to play the part of of Hannibal Lecter. So, if you can imagine The Science of the Lambs with Al Pacino as as Hannibal Lecter, or Robert De Niro as Hannibal Lecter, Dustin Hoffman (laughs) as Hannibal Lecter, or or Daniel Day-Lewis. Would be quite good. Following Lecter's lead... Clarice visits the yourself storage facility and finds a jar containing a man's severed head. She returns to the asylum the same night to see Lecter again. It's here that Lecter offers to profile Buffalo Bill in exchange for a transfer. He wants to move from the asylum. He wants to get away from Dr. Chilton. Up to this point, it's pretty relentless. It's fast moving. Mm -hmm. There's loads and loads of stuff going on. And it's at this point that we actually meet Buffalo Bill, or James Gum, mm-hmm. as he's called, as he snatches kind of his next victim, yeah, who turns out to be the daughter of a senator. Then we're back with Starling again, and she's called upon to make a trip with Jack Crawford to one of Buffalo Bill's victims. So they have found one of the victims in a river, and and off they go to uh, to investigate. Yeah, this leads to that kind of that autopsy scene. And the discovery of a major clue, which becomes significant later, and that's the death's head moth found in the victim's throat. She's the one that finds the death's head moth yeah. in the mouth. You know, she's the, the sort of the clever one. And that autopsy scene is really good. It's kind of less about the autopsy and more about what everyone's reaction is to the autopsy. You don't mm-hmm. really see what they're doing necessarily. Yeah. It's more about what everyone's watching. The film does have a distinct style. Jonathan Demme, the director, uses like a huge amount of POV shots. You know, we see what the characters are seeing. Mm-hmm. And then there's absolutely tons of kind of intimate close-up shots of the characters talking sort of directly at the camera. Yeah. It's quite arresting at times. You know, there's bits where Lecter's face or Anthony Hopkins' face kind of fills the screen. Yeah. You know, and the same with Jodie Foster. It kind of builds tension when they're talking. So Lecter seems to be talking to us. Clarice yeah. seems to be talking to us. There's a bit later in the film where Lecter is transferred to Memphis. And he's in that kind of huge cage. And he's talking to Starling. And the camera moves closer and closer to his face. And closer and closer to her face. Mm-hmm. And in the end, the bar's aren't there it's like they are just having a conversation and it's as if he's not behind bars Mm -hmm. have you ever seen anything like that before like there's those sort of that use of close-ups did you did you did you notice it whilst we were watching it
1: i think because i was so wrapped in what was going on i didn't notice and i think that's really clever
0: i don't think you've seen any jonathan demi films before no um extremely well respected Director Paul Thomas Anderson was a big fan. Oh, really? Uh, he's no longer with us, but he was kind of those directors that kind of excelled in every genre. Mm-hmm. So he made "Stop Making Sense," yeah. Heads," concert film, he do comedy. Obviously, another film "Philadelphia." Uh, yeah, tanks Tank that. film. That's a Jonathan Demi film. Oh, really? All the scenes in James Gum's house are pretty full on.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Especially when we first see the well and the sort mm-hmm. of basement. And uh, what he is putting a potential next victim, Catherine Martin, you know, what he's putting her through, it's pretty dark stuff.
1: It is very, like, horrible to watch and it's very loud. It reminded me a lot of Prisoners. Um, okay. Because you know how they they keep the kids in, like, this hole.
0: What did you think of the James Gum character, the Buffalo Bill character?
1: Super creepy. Um, I thought he very, very well acted but very scary stage presence, but really don't want to look away.
0: I think there's a really big distinction between the type of serial killer that kind of he is compared to the the sort of Hannibal Lecter type killer. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: So, James Gunn, he's not not a sophisticated kind of serial killer. And in a way, because of Anthony Hopkins' performance as Lecter, after Silence of the Lambs, serial killers uh, become sort of More intelligent in movies, and they're kind of like, you know, so like John Doe in Seven, they're like perceived as these kind of more intellectual killers, yeah. But James Gum, he's kind of not like that, he's just a single minded killer, not really interested in the victims, just interested in his goal, Mm -hmm. which is potentially a more realistic. Portrayal of like an Ed Gain or a you know that kind of of real serial killer, as opposed to Hannibal Lecter. Mm -hmm. Did you guess what James Gum Buffalo Bill was doing before Clarice worked it Um, out? Like
1: in the autopsy scene, when there you could see that there was skin removed, and uh, you knew he was removing skin. I thought that he was going to be making some sort of outfit or something like that, something very Ed Gainey. Yeah. I wasn't thinking he was gonna make a full body suit so a
0: woman suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Ted Levine, who plays Gum, is kind of one of those brilliant character actors. Yeah. He's always excellent and always quite different no matter what he's in. He's play he's one of Vincent Hanna's crew in Heat. Yeah. If you remember that. Brooke Smith, who plays potential next victim, Catherine Martin, she's also doing really great things on the basis that most of her time on screen, she's on her own. Yeah. At the bottom of a horrible well. There's a great podcast, no longer active, but there's a great podcast that was called I Was There Too, which ended, I think, in 2018. But it's still available wherever you listen to your podcasts, where Matt Gawley interviews actors with small but significant roles in big movies. Yeah. And there's a really, really good episode, which is actually the last ever episode of that podcast, where he interviews Brooke Smith... Oh, really? ...about her experience of working on Silence of the Lambs. It, yeah, and having to deal with that, and mm-hmm. having to be that person. It's a significant role. Yeah. It's got to be done right. All the actors in this movie are doing good work.
1: I feel like she must have had the most gruelling time... Because-
0: She's got Precious for company.
1: That is very true, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so she's clever, you know, she, she kidnaps yeah. James Gums' dog. She's trying, she's not giving up, she's yeah. trying to escape. So Clarice and Lecter are only in four scenes together, and each of them is kind of electric.
1: Yeah, best scenes in the film.
0: The third scene together is hugely significant. Clarice is there to bargain with Lecter to try to save Catherine Martin. Uh, She offers Lecter the case file in exchange to move away from the asylum. This is the quid pro quo scene Mm -hmm. where Lecter offers information about Buffalo Bill but in exchange for personal information about Clarice. And this is where she talks about her father and Father's death and mm-hmm. those sorts of things. So it's really becoming you know, their relationship is really, really kind of growing. Even though yeah. there's only these four scenes, there's something going on between the two of them. After this scene, the story shifts up a gear. We've already been treated to like some some great scenes, but the best is still to come. Chiltern has made his own deal to move Lecter and seemingly try to kind of save Catherine, and Lecter's moved to Memphis. Whilst kind of possibly kind of quite contrived, I guess, Lecter is placed in this enormous cage in a, in a Tennessee courthouse and having given Senator Martin, Catherine Martin's mum, a false clue, Starling visits Lecter for what will be their kind of last physical meeting. So this yeah. is where she goes, she kind of sneaks in and mm-hmm. goes to find him. Their quid pro quo arrangement continues in this scene and i think this is probably out of those four scenes together the first one's grey you know all that but this is probably the most kind of riveting yeah of, of i agree those. this is the one where she talks about the lambs
1: so because of what they were talking about it was getting more suspenseful and more suspenseful by like the minute
0: it's that we're into that race against time. Everyone's trying yeah. to save Catherine Martin. Clarice is trying to get information. You know, Lecter is, is almost kind of pushing her to work it out. You know, he yeah. doesn't want to give her the information straight away. So everything's in the file. You know, it's there in front of you. Mm-hmm. She needs to work out Buffalo Bill's identity herself. That trade of information kind of continues in this scene. Yeah. And that's when we hear Clarice's quite sad story about her past. The guards come in. They try and remove Clarice from the room, and there's this moment, one of my favourite moments in the movie, and it's a, a blink of an eye, but it's so effective. Where she runs back to get the case file from Lecter, yeah, and he touches her hand, and it's almost like she shivers down the spine. She does it entirely on purpose, yeah? And then if that wasn't enough, this is a big setup for Lecter's escape. As a set piece, this is pretty flawless filmmaking. One hundred percent. What did you think of this this whole sequence? It was
1: just, it was like you didn't want to blink, you didn't want to stop watching. You just wanted to keep your eyes on the screen. You didn't know what was going to happen next. It was it was like the most action packed part of the whole film. You were like literally on the edge of your seat. I didn't know where he was for the whole time after he killed it, the guards. It, 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 so I was yeah, so confused. It's, and then they took his body away.
0: Yeah. It, one of the best things about watching these films together is that I get to see your reaction yeah. to kind of like these kind of genius moments or kind of twist reveals or plot mm-hmm. twists as we watch these films. So like all this chaos and he kills the guards. We think we're seeing his kind of planned escape through the lift, yeah. the elevator. And then... When the police are closing in on what they think is Lecter, there's this kind of big reveal in the back of an ambulance. Yeah. It was brilliant. You turned to me and you said, (laughs) it's him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, absolutely. That's exactly Mm -hmm. the correct reaction. The injured guard in the ambulance is, in fact, Lecter wearing his face. Yeah, You know, it's brilliant. It's so genius. Like,
1: how do you come up with that? I don't know why I didn't think that wasn't him because where else could he have been
0: I tell you what I love about this moment in the film is that you realize that you're rooting for lector yeah definitely you want him to escape mm-hmm. you don't want it you don't want him to get caught yeah. you know and he's a, he's a killer mm-hmm. we're, we're not booing you know we're we're sort of cheering him on so that moment when you realize it's him and he's out if if that wasn't enough clarice is on her own She's following up on a lead and she knows that gum knew his first victim Jack Crawford is off with his men. They're chasing their own lead en route to what they think is Buffalo Bill's address. The FBI are outside one house. Clarice is outside another. And then this is like the best bit. This really
1: is the best bit. So people like the SWAT team run in and then there's a knock on the door and um, Buffalo Bill is in there. Here's the knock. And we're thinking, oh, no, the SWAT team's there. And then he opens the door, and there. But, it, but Chris. Is that, did that work for you? Did you? Yes, think that definitely. One
0: hundred percent thought that the FBI had found him.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was the end of the movie. I was like, okay, brilliant, great. This is the end. And then, like, my face dropped because is, now I'm just yes. so scared for
0: her. Best thing, she doesn't know it's him. Yeah, she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not until she sees the moth. Yeah. That's when she realises. But the moment he opens the door, she's got no clue that that's him. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. is like the perfect thriller. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I love this film. I guess most of this stuff is in the book, but it could have been handled differently. It could have been directed differently. That You know, that split between the what Jack Crawford's doing and what she's doing. Yeah. You know, it's so perfect. You know, imagine a film directed by a lesser director. Imagine the film without committed lead performance from jodie foster so good in this bit and gum has the advantage and she's alone in this house she's yeah she finds Catherine martin she's kind of oh yeah you know it's fine we're all here you're (laughs) gonna be fine yeah she's kind of so vulnerable and the way she's acting is superb yeah jodie foster in this is amazing you know all those vulnerabilities on show and then there's that climax, you know, night vision goggles, you know, another, yeah. another set peak. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, she's petrified. You know, she's yeah. holding a gun. It's shaking in her hand. She can't see him. We see that POV again. We yeah. see what he's seeing and we're just watching her. He's just watching her. Mm-hmm.
1: It's amazing. It really is. And it's, it's I don't think I've ever been so like in suspense ever watching a film. To be honest,
0: and at the end, Clarice having shot James Gum, save Catherine, and then you said, "Hang on a minute, hang on, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, because you know there's some unfinished business." And then we get to that last bit, you know, that last bit of the film, closing scenes, very, very famous, includes another classic line, you know, having an old friend for dinner. What did you think overall?
1: I thought it was amazing. I can totally understand the hype around it. Because it is so good.
0: I mean, it's a great script. Yeah. And it's really well directed. But it's lifted by the two performances. Yeah, definitely. And whilst... Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins are only together for a relatively short space of time. Anthony Hopkins, who won an Oscar for Best Actor for this film, Mm -hmm. is only on screen for 24 minutes. Really? Out of the whole film. But it's unforgettable, you know? It's kind of an iconic performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Quite mannered, but it's kind of mesmerising. But... His performance is helped by Jonathan Demi's camera work. Yeah. If you shot it all with Hopkins miles away from the camera, it doesn't work. So, yeah. you know, all of that is included. When Hopkins first read the script, he said that he kind of intuitively knew how to play Lecter, sort of felt he knew what he would look like, knew how he would sound. And in terms of the voice in his mind, he thought and then tried to project. That the voice would be a combination of the actress Catherine Hepburn, Truman Capote, and Hal from 2001. Oh, really? What would you give it out a ten, James?
1: Probably a ten, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I'm a ten. Oh, I love it. It's been one of my favourite films for quite a long time. Did you see it at the cinema? No, no, it's too young to go to. It was oh, an 18 really? when it came out, so it's been reverted to a 15 now. Yeah. But I think there's been some criticism about it over the years, Um, some of the imagery and the way that um, Clarice's character is, is dealt with and certainly the representation of uh, James Gum in the film. Yeah. yeah. There's some other bit. I mean, you know, you can pick fault. I do always smile when someone calls Lecter Hannibal the Cannibal. Yeah. Because it's an absolute convenience, isn't it, that Mm -hmm. your lead serial killer's name rhymes with the thing that he's famous for. So that's a bit of a contrivance, you know. Well, that's great. Thanks, James. You're welcome. Thank you. You can follow us on Twitter at TalkingFilm, that's talking with no G at the end, and you can also find us on Facebook and TikTok. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you enjoy listening to us, please leave us a five-star rating. See you next time. See ya. Right, I can't say it. <laughs> I can't you say gonna it. You're
1: going to do the um, thing no, at the I'm end not as gonna, well.
0: No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to.